This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Monday, tomorrow evening, there's a major uh, event taking place in our family and in our church. My oldest daughter, Paige Allen, has anybody ever met Paige? Has Paige been here to minister? She needs to come minister here. You would, you would love her. Anyway, Paige uh, has been a part of our staff for many, many years. And uh, she's, she's kind of the smart one in our family. She's our, our oldest child. We had three daughters. And uh, <clears throat> Paige is, is finishing up a project that she's been working on for uh, over a year and a half. Uh, she was... Uh, uh, endorsed or went into to a partnership with Bethany House and Baker Books, and she has written her first full-length book, and the book launch is this Monday night, and they're in Lubbock, and uh, my wife was very involved in that. You say, well, that, what's so big about a book? It, this is really going to be a very special book. She, uh, the title is uh, He Knows Your Name, and it's the story of seven unnamed women in the Gospels that Jesus encountered and how he ministered to them. And uh, Bethany House really loved her project. They reached out to her, and uh, she's been working with them. Uh, the launch is tomorrow night. Uh, I think Pastor Kelly has one of her books, uh, pages, sent books out to, to close friends even before the launch. Uh, but uh, she uh, uh, has been asked to write the study guide for UVerse Bible, for the book, and even yesterday she sent me a message she had gotten from Bethany House that her book, as of yesterday, was number one, just now being released, and I thought, that's kind of unusual to already be that, that high, and it's, it's going to, so that's why my wife's not, I encourage you, get a copy of that book, it'll be in all the bookstores and everything, so that's why my wife's not with me, she's, she's taking care of all the details for this book launch tomorrow night, so uh, we're excited about that. I'm so glad my daughter wrote that book. That way, uh, I don't have to write a book. I can just say, hey, go read hers. She learned everything she knows from me. So, <laughs> But it's so good to be with you guys. Pastor Landon and Kelly, they're, they're really special. I've gotten to know them over the years. And man, I, I really love and appreciate those guys. They're doing a great, great job. Amen. Don't you love your pastors? <clears throat> I really appreciate them and, and all that they're doing. Uh, I, I kind of have an assignment today. I feel like the Lord has put a real uh, message in my heart for this church. You see, I've been watching kind of from afar, from Lubbock, Texas. I've been watching what's been going on here at the Purpose Church in San Antonio from the very beginning. As, as the, these guys said earlier, I've been in, in step with you guys and in partnership with you guys and watching what God's doing. And <clears throat> I was praying about this morning what I wanted to share with y'all. And let me just start from the very start. If you came here expecting a real uh, polished sermon, uh, I don't do those anymore, okay? I, I'm old enough that I've reached that age where I just tell stories and... Do y'all like stories? Okay. I'm just going to tell you some stories, and uh, hopefully you'll, 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 you'll get the message. But I've been watching you guys, and it took me back to the early years of the church that I planted 
1985. That was before most of you support. We didn't have, uh, we had people that loved us, but we didn't really have any other churches that we were connected to when we started the church. And in the early years, uh, I was thinking back even this morning. It was 11 years. It took us 11 years before we owned our first piece of property and we built our first building. And I, I, so I, I can kind of relate to this season of life here at the Purpose Church, that that's kind of where you guys are at. You've been growing. You've been, you've been faithful. You've been working hard. Now you own a piece of property. And now the next step is to believe God for the, the, the funds and the resources to build a building. And, and those are exciting times, but it's, it's, a, it's a difficult time as well. And I was thinking back to those days and to, to what was invested by the Spirit of God into my life during those days when everything was hard, everything was pretty difficult. We were young and we were just learning. I remember the church was only about four or five years old. And <clears throat> it was at the end of 1990, the year 1990. And uh, I'd finished up all the finances of the church for that year. And it was a very uh, depressing time. I'll never forget, uh, this happened one day. I was sitting at my desk, and it was the end of the year. We'd done all our financials. And I had a stack of bills that the church owed money on, and it was right at $12,000 of, of expenses, bills that needed to be paid. And because we had just done our finances, I, I knew that in our bank account we only had $4,000. And it was, it was one of those times where you kind of seen any ground. In fact, we finished the year in the and I couldn't pay all the bills. And I'd just gone through that uh, the day following that experience uh, I got a phone call from a friend of mine and something happened overnight it was the earthquake in Northridge California early 1991 and a friend of mine called me and he said my father pastors a small church there in California and their building was totally destroyed he said is there any way you can you can find some some money to send them well I'm trying to get some financial help for their church and he had he, he, he hit me with that, and I didn't tell him, you're calling the wrong guy, man. We, we can't even pay our bills. I just said, you know, let me pray about it. And all day, <clears throat> I couldn't get away from that phone call. It just kept rolling in, in my heart and in my head. And I felt like the Holy Spirit really spoke to me. And God said, you know what? You don't have enough money to pay your bills anyway. Why don't you just clear out your bank account and send it to that church in California and trust me? And I thought, man, Satan, you're a liar. I just... <laughs> but I couldn't get away from that thought. And so I called a, an emergency meeting of our eldership, our leaders of the church. And I told them what was going on in my, my brain. And I said, guys, I said... Uh, you, you got, but I'm, I'm feeling like men speak wisdom to me and, and probably pull me back down to earth. And, but but I'm, I'm feeling like maybe we need to just clear out our bank account and send all the money to California and just trust God. We don't have enough to pay the bills anyway. And I thought they would say, Pastor, you're great. But every one of my leaders said, hey, that sounds like a good idea. Let's remember that next Sunday, standing before a group about this size, 
and telling them, you know, here's what we've done. Uh, we, I've got about $12,000 worth of bills that need to be paid this week. And we, we, we took our bank account to zero because we're trusting God. And the reason I tell you that story is because that's one of those, those moments in time when I believe God proved himself faithful to me and to our church. And since early 1991, there's never been a time Church on the Rock couldn't pay all its bills. There's never been a time we didn't have money in the bank. Not a lot of money, but God's always been faithful. It was also probably a year or two after that that I had another defining moment in my life. This was a season where I'd gotten plugged into a ministry out of Dallas called Global Advance. Great ministry still exists today. Dr. David Shibley, a dear friend of mine, was the the, uh, leader of that ministry. His son Jonathan leads it today. But what Global Advance did is that they, they trained pastors. They did pastors' conferences all around the world. Because of my connection with the Shibleys and and their staff there, they had asked me to go and and speak at pastors' conferences. And I'd traveled for, uh, I I usually traveled, made four international trips a year with them. And we would go, we went to Africa, India, Russia, Ukraine, literally all around the world with Global Advance. And we would always do three-day conferences Usually we would do at least two or three conferences one after another on these trips. And I enjoyed it. There's something about being in a foreign country, working with an interpreter, and having a crowd of many times over a thousand pastors would gather together. And you would train them and hopefully inspire them and encourage them as they were building the the kingdom of God around the world. And I loved doing it. And it was really very enjoyable. And, and the key to those conferences is that you really only needed four good messages. If you had four good sermons, uh, you would usually speak about four times in one of those three-day conferences because we'd take a team of pastors. And so all I needed was four good sermons, and I could pull it off, and I looked like a vice president of Global Advance uh, who's gone to be with Jesus now, but his name was Dale Witt. He was a very dear friend of mine. We had traveled all over the world together. And it was the early 90s, and I remember I was preparing for a trip. We were going to do three conferences, one right after another. I believe we were going to the nation of Russia, and we were going to be ministering to pastors in Russia. And I flew to Dallas and got on the plane at DFW with Dale, and we started on our flight across the ocean. And as we were sitting there, Dale began to pull out his notebook and all the scheduling that he had done for the conferences, and who would be speaking when. He began to talk, and we began to work through that, that scheduling. And I'll never forget this. So I was sitting there next to him in, on this plane, and Dale looked at me, and he said, you know that sermon that you always preach about David at Ziklag? And that's a story of the Old Testament, the time when David's men lost everything. They had gone away from the city and the enemy had come in behind them. They'd burned all their homes. They'd stolen all their possessions and even kidnapped their families. And at that, that story of David, until they had his men, the, that's where the scripture says they, they wept and they cried until they had no more tears to cry. And it says they were so discouraged. 
and so brokenhearted that they even spoke of stoning David, their leader. And then the scripture says this, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, I took that passage of scripture and I built a great sermon around Psalm 27 about how do you encourage yourself in the Lord when you've lost everything, when you feel hopeless, when you feel helpless. How do you encourage yourself in the Lord? I'll never forget, Dale said, you know that sermon you always preach about David at Ziklag? I said, yeah. And I thought he was going to say, man, that's a great sermon. I said, yeah, I know. He said, I don't want you to preach that sermon. (laughs) And I kind of looked at him with a puzzled look on my face. And he said, I don't want you to preach it. He said, I'm going to preach it. But I remember having my sermon. What the heck's going on here? That's my sermon. I only have to have four good sermons. Now he's taking one of my four. I'm going to have to come up with something else. And, and to be honest with you, I, was, I, was, I wasn't real good about it. I didn't feel at peace about it. Well, we got to Russia. We got, went to the first conference. First day, he didn't preach it. I didn't preach it either because he told me not to. Second day, he didn't preach it. The last day of the conference, one of the last sessions, Dale got up and began to share with the pastors that were there. And I neglected to tell you this. This is very crucial to this story. Dale's wife, Sherry, had been battling cancer. And he had lost his wife. She had gone to be with the Lord about three or four months prior to this trip. And as Dale got up, he began to share his heart with all the pastors. And he talked about losing the love of his life, his sweetheart, his wife. And he talked about how sad, how depressed, how despondent he was, how, how fearful he was and hopeless he felt. And he said, but as I began to pray, he said, the Lord reminded me of a sermon I'd heard Pastor Jackie preach many times. And he said, I opened my Bible to Psalm 27 and I began to go through those steps of encouraging myself in the Lord. And he said, I stand before you today and and I'm making it. I'm making it in spite of the loss because of that sermon, because of God helping me to encourage myself in him. And as Dale began to preach my sermon, I began to weep. The Holy Spirit said, how dare you want to hold on to your sermon? He said, it's only a sermon to you, but it's a life message to deal with. It did a work in my heart. At Church on the Rock, if you, if you spend any time there with our staff and our leadership, you'll hear, you'll hear a phrase that they use because I've, I've, I've tried, to, tried to impart it into their lives because God imparted it into mine. And it's the phrase, open hands. Ever since that trip, I've tried to share with our church, it's not ours. We don't own anything. When God blesses you with something, if you try to hold on to it, that's the wrong attitude. But you have to live with open hands. You have to be generous. You have to let go to be able to receive something more. And so as 
I come here today. Lennon and Kelly have talked to me about the season of the church here. This, this legacy, uh, legacy season where we're, we're, we're looking to the future. We're building for the future. We're laying some foundational stones that will speak to those that come in the future. And as, as I've thought about that, I, I, I want to just share my heart with you. I think it's time that we all just come and say, Lord, give me open hands. And let me receive an impartation of generosity. Let me understand this city. It's needed in our world today. So there's a couple of things I want to just impress upon you. And and, and if you're taking notes, you can jot these down and you can write these down. And uh, I think maybe it will help you. In the first service, I got to this point and I, I stopped because I felt like God was directing me to do something kind of off the wall <clears throat> because in the first service I was, I, w- I was talking about all these things and this thought just kept coming back to me. It was about a sermon I'd heard probably three or four years ago. And as I, I just kept having the thought of this people here today, that's a word for some, some of you very specifically here today. And uh, I, I just want to obey the Lord and uh, deliver that word. And there's a couple here you're near the back row. Uh, the lady has on a, a yellow shirt, and the guy has a white shirt. It's kind of dark where you got. You, you know who I'm talking about? Point at yourself if you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, they're looking at one another right now. Like, is he talking about me? Are y'all together? Yay, nay. She says yes, and he goes, well, I don't know who she is. <laughs> Would y'all stand up? And I'm going to give you a word. You go, I'm just a visitor here today. That's okay, come on. Walk up a little closer, get in the light so I can see your face just a minute here. Do y'all know these people? Oh, okay. Y'all are not visitors, huh? Okay. You're going to say, this is really a weird word, and I don't know yet. I don't know if this is going to make any sense to you at all. But there's a sermon I heard probably three or four years ago, and it came back to me this morning, like I said, in the first service. Couldn't get away from it, and it's still with me. And I felt like I'm just supposed to deposit this into somebody's life. It's not from me. I believe it's from the, the Spirit of the Lord. But the, the, the sermon goes like this. You remember the story in the Old Testament where it says, God spoke to Abraham. And he said, come out into the night and look up into the sky. And he saw all the stars. And the Lord said, I have a promise for you. Your your legacy, your your descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars in the sky. And it was a beautiful promise from God. It was a promise of uh, of growth and prosperity, a promise of future and, and, and expansion and It was just a great promise that God gave to Abraham. Well, this was the message of the sermon. The message was this. You cannot count the stars unless you come out of your tent. Now, Abraham was living a nomadic life. And he was living in tents. And the thing is, is that so many people never count the stars because they refuse to come out of their tent. And the word of the Lord for you today is this. It's time for you to come out of your tent. Step out.
comfort zone. Step away from your tent of safety and face your fears. Confront any fear that's holding you back and take a step of faith. And as you step out of your tent, God will begin to show you the stars, His promises over your life. There's a season of great expansion coming to your life. There's a season of great growth coming to your life. There's a season of multiplication coming to your life. But you have to step out of your tent. Okay? Does that make sense to you guys? Okay, they're saying, I have no idea what that means. I don't either. But you're going to pray and you're going to wait. Tell me your names. Sharon and Jerry. Everybody know Sharon and Jerry? We're going to pray for you, Sharon and Jerry, that God will just put his hand on you and that this is a season of, of real promotion for you guys and that the promises of God are going to be so clear because he has, he's, he's ordained some great promises over your life. But before I pray for you guys, how many of you are sitting out there and you're going, Golly, I wish I had that word. How many of you say you wish? Okay, everybody wishes you had that word, you stand up too. And we're going to just declare that word over all of us, amen? And that, that the promises of God are being released, but we're, we're taking the step of faith. We're stepping out of our tents, amen? Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, step out of your tent. All right. Now let's pray. Father, I pray over Jerry and Sharon. I pray right now to everyone else that's standing. I don't know what all this word means. All I know is that I believe there's a promise in it. I believe there's great blessing in it. I believe there's multiplication and increase in this word. There's expansion in this word. There's growth in this word. And Father, we declare that by faith, we're stepping away from our comfort zone. By faith, we're stepping away from our tent and we're looking upward. We're looking to the skies and we're letting the stars inspire us to believe for more from you. And Father, we declare that now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Jerry. A couple of truths. Number one is this. Generosity begins in your heart. We cannot be generous people, open-handed people, if we don't have a heart that is in the right place. Generosity comes from a heart of love. A heart of love will give you that spirit of generosity. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You see, giving, generosity, a generous spirit comes from a loving heart. The Bible says we love because he first loved us. Everybody take your hand, put it over your heart. And just say this out loud with me. Say, God, I have a heart full of love. Now, secondly, about your heart, not only must your heart be a heart of love, it must be a grateful heart. How many of you are grateful? You're grateful for something this morning, amen? You're grateful for the extra hour of sleep last night. Hallelujah! Doesn't that, it, wasn't that exciting? Now, in the spring, y'all are all going to be cussing that we're part of a wonderful church. 
We're grateful that they have coffee when you walk through the door this morning. We're grateful. A grateful heart can become a generous heart as well. When you are, are unthankful, when you are selfish, when you are bitter, generosity cannot flow from your heart. Generosity begins in your heart. Number two, generosity continues in your head. You can have a, a heart that is full of love and a heart that is very grateful, but you still don't have the full effect of being generous unless you understand some very vital truths from God's word. You understand them in your head. Truth number one is this. God owns it all. Say that out loud with me. Say that out loud. God owns it all. You see, it wasn't my sermon. God owns it all. You say, well, I work really hard for my paycheck. It's not your paycheck. The Bible says God gives you the ability to all. God gave you the ability for the job that you have. God owns it all. Amen? The second truth is that the tithe, when we bring a tithe to the Lord, we're not giving God anything. We're just simply returning a little bit that already belongs to Him. I've been a pastor for now close to 50 years. And I, I, one of the things that people really struggle with is the tithe. I don't want to tithe. The tithe is Old Testament. The tithe is under the law. No, the tithe is not under the law. Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek before Moses came and gave us the law. Tithing is a, is a heart response to God who owns it all and blesses us with all. And he says, will you just share a little bit with me? Hmm. There's a story that I, I love to tell because it, everybody can relate to this story. A story about a father and son. And the weekend's coming and the, we're going to do whatever you want to do. And the son got so excited. He said, hey, dad, let's go to the park. Let's take the ball and glove and let's, let's play some catch. We're going to have so much fun. We're going to go to the park. And so that's what they did. Man, they went to the park. They played catch for a while. He played on the playground. They just had Father Sunday. It, great morning. Noontime comes, and they're both getting a little bit hungry. And so the father turns to his son and says, Hey, son, today's your day. You get to choose. What do you want for lunch? And the little boy says, McDonald's. And the father says, Okay, it's your choice. How many of you, let me ask you this. How many of you went to McDonald's at least once this past week? Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Raise your hand. See, some of you are going, I don't want anybody to know. Okay, you can put your hands down. So they go to McDonald's. They go to the counter. The father says, give me one of those Big Macs and a Coke. The son says, I want a happy meal. He gets the happy meal. They go to their booth. They sit down, the father on one side, the son on the other. Father opens up his Big Mac and takes a bite of the sandwich. The son tears into the happy meal. He pulls out a little burger. He pulls out the toy. You got a toy with the happy meal. He's playing with the toy. And then the last thing he pulls out of the bag is that little sack of French fries. Now, can I just tell you something? There's something about McDonald. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 
My wife hates McDonald's. My wife lied to our grandchildren, told them that she was allergic to McDonald's. And they believed her. They didn't, she never had to take them to McDonald's for years. They said, we want to go to McDonald's, but Gigi's allergic. <laughs> I guess we'll have to go to Chick-fil-A because, you know, she, she loved Chick-fil-A. But the McDonald's fries. <sighs> if I'd have been thinking, I would have arranged to have McDonald's fries delivered in the middle of the service for everyone. Can you imagine the aroma? Well, here they are. Father on one side of the booth, son on the other. He pulls out. that. It's not a big bag. Just, just that little Happy Meal size bag of McDonald's fries. And the son's over there playing with his toy. And the dad's saying, wow, why didn't I get fries? I just got a big, I should have got the meal, the, the, the full meal deal. But I, I didn't. And the aroma of the fries are getting, so he reaches across the table. He, th- he thinks, I'm just going to take one. Surely it'll be okay. So he reaches over to take one of those fries out of that little bag of fries. And his son sees his hand move, and he reaches over and slaps his father's hand. He says, no, those are my fries. And the father kind of, And he thinks, wait a minute. My son doesn't understand how this works. (laughs) We've had a great day. We've had Father Sunday because I told him we're going to have Father Sunday. And now here we are. And he didn't want me to have one of his french fries. He doesn't understand. I'm the father. He's the child. If I want to, remember, I'm the father. If I want to, I can take that whole bag of fries away from him. Enough fries to bury his butt (laughs) in this booth with French fries. But I'm the father. I love my child. I don't want to take his fries away from him. All I want is for him to have a heart that says, I'll share with you. That's what the tithe's all about. I worked hard for this money. I'm not giving any of this money to God. No, you're not. You're simply returning what he already owns. Hmm. You see, I've, I've watched life for a long time and basically people fall in two categories. There's a group of people who are always trying to get a hold of more fries. And there's a group of people that understand that God owns all the fries. And so they're willing to share whatever he needs, whatever he wants. And it's like God just keeps burying them with fries. Because they're living like this. They've got a right heart. A heart that can be generous. And they have a head on on Right. A head that understands these truths. God owns it all. He doesn't want to take all your fries. He just wants you to be willing to share what he's already blessed you with. There's another truth. It's the, it's the truth of sowing and reaping. Let me just read some scripture to you here about sowing and reaping. It says this, Proverbs chapter 3. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, 
I don't have a barn. I don't have a vat. But I understand what that's talking about. Can I tell you that when we live with a generous spirit, when we live with a a spirit of honor, honoring God with all that he's blessed us with, that he returns into our life. When we sow, we reap. And the blessing in Luke chapters, it's talking about forgiveness, but the principle about forgiveness works for finances or love or relationships or anything you want want to have, but it says this, give and it will be given unto you. Press down, Uh, Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be given unto you. For with the same measure that you give, it will be given back to you. So when you're generous, get ready because God's going to be generous with you. Now, what we're talking about is this legacy offering. It's coming up in two weeks. I want you to start praying now, God, what would you have me give? for this legacy offering. Some of you say, man, I don't have a whole lot to give. That's okay. God won't ask you to give something you don't have. He'll only ask for what he's already supplied you with. But you see, everyone needs to take part. Because when you take part, you're planting your seed into this legacy, the legacy of this church, the legacy of this family, the legacy of this place. And in the years to come, you'll be able to look back and say, man, I I had a part in this. I love the word legacy. It was a few years ago, just before COVID, that we launched a ministry at one of our campuses. Oh, let let me say this. I, I was talking about the early days when we didn't have anything. It was 11 years, 1996, before we had our first building. But since that time, God's continued to bless. Now we have four campuses. This morning in the services across the four campuses in Lubbock, there'll be probably close to 4,500 people in the services. I remember our, our, our second campus was what we call our Dream Center campus. We went to a part of the city that was so poor. We went where there was only darkness to take the light of the gospel. And I remember some people were so upset. They didn't want us to spend our money in that part of town and but I knew we wanted to do something that would, that would make an impact on our city. And when I introduced the project and I said, we're going to build our first building at the Dream Center. There was a man who came. He was a part of our church at that time. And he said, I want to build your building. And immediately the Spirit of the Lord began to speak to my heart. And I told him, I can't accept your check. He said, why? I said, because this ministry, it's going to take hundreds of volunteers. We want to feed people. We want to clothe people. It's not just about building a building. I want people to be invested in this ministry. And where their money is, where their treasure is, that's where their heart will be also. And I said, I can't do it with just one volunteer. It's going to take hundreds. You say, man, that was stupid, Pastor. You gave him back a check for a million dollars? Yeah, I did. But let me tell you, I came up with a little plan. I I put together a little brochure. 
In our first building, we built this building. And I, I showed, like, this room, if you, you want to help give to this room, one square foot of this room is going to cost so much money. And I, I broke it down like that so everybody could have, I even took the bricks on the outside of the building. I said, each brick is going to take this many bricks, 85 cents for one brick. I'll never forget, that was on, in the brochure. And I presented it on a Sunday morning to, to crowd about, maybe a little larger than this, not much. And we had a family visiting that day. I didn't even know they were there. But I made a statement. Everybody can have a part. If it's only 85 cents, you can buy one brick. Well, the family that was visiting that day was a man and his wife and his daughter. And he happened to own the Acme Brick Company in Lubbock, Texas. That afternoon, he told me the story later. That afternoon, I've looked at how much money I've had. I want to help build that dream center. And I, I've looked at how much money I've been saving from money I've, I, I, I got from doing my chores. And she said, I think I've... It, would you give me a special deal on bricks? She said, if you'd let me buy them for 70 cents a piece, I've got almost $70. I could buy quite a few bricks. And he said, when my daughter told me that, immediately I felt the Holy Spirit speak to my heart. That night he called me, introduced himself to me over the phone. He said, I was in your service today. He said, my daughter, she's wanting to buy bricks. And he said, Pastor, you've got all the bricks you need. He said, build that building. What a day. There's a campus called the Dream Center Campus in Lubbock. In the two services there this morning, there'll be about 1,200 people. Yesterday, you see, every Saturday, we, we fill grocery bags full of food. We feed about 200 families every Saturday. We have a medical team that does medical checks and medical care every Saturday morning. Last year, we have a clothing closet that gave away 200, over 200,000 pieces of clothes. Every Monday, we give away free haircuts. We have a, a group of volunteers that come in, barbers and hair people that do haircuts. We're the GED testing center for all of West Texas. Last year, over 900 people got their GED certificate through the Dream Center. And our latest ministry is now about four years old called the New Legacy Home for Women. We built a home for women that need a second chance. And they rewrite the legacy of their life. I didn't want to build that ministry. I, 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 I wasn't sure. That ministry was going to be hard. And I, I mean, it's all women. I, what could I do? But I kept having this one lady said, well, I, I'll pray. While I was praying, saying, God, do you want us to do? I got a call from some men in our, our city that they had become familiar with the Dream Center. In fact, they, they, they oversaw a foundation. And when we built that first little 11,000 square foot building, they came to visit us and they said, man, you guys are doing something really amazing here. How can we help you? And we said, we need a bigger building. We, we need a place to worship on Sundays. So they said, would $2 million help you? And they gave me $2 million and we built our second building. Well, the week I was praying about the new legacy, Home. They called again. 
And they said, what's on your heart? What's your next vision? I said, well, we're thinking about a home for women. And they said, we're trying to close our, our foundation out. We only have $1.75 million this time, but would that help you? I said, bring it on. <laughs> you see, you can, and he's bigger than anything. And that guy that wanted to give you a million dollars, no, God had a plan. And he's bigger than anything we can even imagine. So next time you come to Lubbock, let me know. I want you to tour the Dream Center and the new legacy home for women. Where now we have a beautiful $2 million home where we house women and they get a second chance to rewrite their legacy. You say, well, what does that have to do with me? The purpose sure thing to do with you. Because you've got a chance. The Purpose Church, you're just starting. Church on the Rock, we're 38 years down the road. Look what God has done with, God's no respecter of persons. If he'll do it for us, he'll do even much more for you guys. Amen? You say, well, I don't have a lot. Have you got 85 cents? Maybe that's where it starts. That's where it's, you see, one of the women my daughter wrote about in her book was the widow with two mites. I love that story because Jesus took notice. He saw a heart that was full of generosity. He saw a head that understood the truth. And he said, she's given more than all the rest. That's how you write a legacy. That's how you make a difference in this world. Hold your hands out just like this. Palms up. Open hands. I want to pray over everyone in this room right now. If you say, no, I don't want it, then don't open your hands. But if you want it, open your hands. I'm going to pray for an impartation of the Holy Spirit. And that generosity would become a part of who you are. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, let these people understand. I'm not trying to get money from them. I'm trying to get your blessings on them. I'm trying to get your spirit poured into them. Father, right now, would you impart that spirit of generosity? Would you impart the spirit of open hands into every one of our hearts, into every one of our heads? Father, use us in your purposes here on this earth. And Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.